0: Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface-level conversation?
1: Not us. I'm Samantha. And
0: I'm Christian, two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of
1: life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. there. Hey, hello, going there, listener, Girlies. Girlies. We call GT our girlies. listeners going there, girlies, Lynn. I love
2: it. <laughs> yes. We have our
1: friend Lynn here with us. Welcome. Oh,
2: thank you, guys. I am so excited to be here with you. This is so fun.
1: Yeah, we'll give Lynn more of an introduction and a chance to share about herself in a minute, but she is a fellow podcaster and also counselor here at our home church, but we were just chatting. It's Memorial Day weekend that we're going into as we're recording this, and Lynn was saying she's going to see the Grand Canyon for the first time over this holiday, and so Christian was just telling a funny story about the first time she went to the Grand Canyon, and I've never been, but one thing that I think that listeners will relate to, Lynn, I don't know if you'll remember this, but the one thing I think of when someone says the Grand Canyon... Do you guys remember years ago there used to be commercials for like motorized wheelchairs? Is anyone following me? <laughs> yes. And there was a oh, lady, no. they would play all the time. You know those commercials that are just like ingrained in your head? And the wouldn't they it, go out on the glass she, bridge? She was like literally on the oh, edge no. <laughs> in the motorized wheelchair. And she looks back at the camera and she said, I went to the Grand Canyon. Oh, like funny. trying to say like, look at my life. I'm so mobile Do you remember now. what wheelchair brand it was? I don't, but that, oh, I think it. a lot of our listeners will remember that because I feel like it's like a 90s, 2000 kid yep. kind of. I think it Memory. was probably like
2: early two thousands. Yes, yes, yes. And apparently, yes. I heard Christian was not very impressed yeah. when she saw yeah, the Grand guys, Canyon. But
0: like, it's impressive. <laughs> but the first time I walked out, and I remember fourteen hours later, we're driving our Astro van through the desert, and we finally get there. And I literally turned to my parents, I'm like, "Is this it? Like a little? You child. were too young
2: to appreciate yeah, young. the magnificence like,
0: of it. I was like, Yeah, this is like a hole in the. Earth. I'm like, cool. I didn't see its beauty at that time. You're like, are are there
2: any roller coasters here? Like, what are we going to do? I'm like, do we (laughs) tie rope, like walk across, or what do we do? Uh, So, will you guys
1: be going down into the now? I I forgot to ask this before. Will you go be like hiking it or just looking?
2: Very light hiking. Okay, Okay. We're not big hikers. We have no intention of camping or riding a donkey down into the... There's like helicopter tours, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll just probably go as much around the rim of the canyon as we can and down in as much as our energy and the weather allows and all that. But yeah, we're really excited. That'll be a lot of fun.
1: So Lynn, go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit more. Share about your family, your job, what all you do.
2: My name is Lynn Rausch and I am a licensed professional counselor and... Fifteen years ago, I started providing counseling here at The Crossing, and my husband, Shay is a pastor here. So we do ministry together, and that's really rewarding. But we have three children. My oldest, Jack, recently got married, and so I now have a daughter in love. To a very sweet daughter, daughter in very love, too. Sweet. Yes. A very lovely, beautiful, godly woman. Her name is Caroline, and she fits wonderfully in our family. And then my daughter, Emma, is 20. And she is about to start the ultrasound program at Mizzou. So she's on that path for her profession. And then our youngest son, Owen, well, he just finished his junior year of high school. And so we're starting to look at colleges for him. And so in about a year, I'll be empty nest. How do you feel about so that So i feel? really sad. You are? It makes me really sad. I
1: didn't yeah. know if maybe that would be like exciting. I mean, I'm sure there are exciting thoughts from it too of like, okay, we've raised these children sure. and now we're here. But
2: yeah, I'm always curious to see how
1: people yeah. feel when they get there. Well,
2: I'm like, I think I realized I'm a pre-griever. So I feel sad before something happens. Does and then me? when it does happen, I'm kind of like, okay, this was supposed to happen. And here we are. And I can kind of breeze through it a little bit more easily. So I think I'm feeling sad now. And hopefully that buffers me a little bit next year when you Owen know, leaves the house. And like
0: a lot of things in life, you're so proud. You're like, I want you to yes, go on. I want absolutely. you to like flourish and grow up. But then you're yeah. like, no,
1: I want you to also be my baby I know, forever. I know.
2: I know. Yeah. So I've it's never a fun heard- stage
1: words put to pre-grieving, but I was actually thinking about that the other day. I've shared multiple times on the podcast, like Emerson starting kindergarten this next year. And I was saying how I really got upset whenever I had to register for kindergarten. Like it hit me that whole week. I was really grieving it. And now I feel I'm like so excited for it. I'm like, can't wait for August. She's so ready. But I think I do that too. Like I really process Ahead of time, which I think can be helpful in a lot of ways. So I'm like, g- I've never heard that put to words. I so. agree.
2: Yeah, it's awesome.
1: So we're excited to chat with Lynn
0: today. I mean, we're pretty much getting a free counseling session. So yes, yes. So like, and I are here. Take for personal it.
1: notes. Take personal notes. Anyone Let's all knows, dive in. anyone that knows Lynn in real life. It you're really good friends personally with my mother-in-law and I know there's times before where she's like "Well, let me ask Lynn like Aww. if we're going through something it's That's like sweet. poor Lynn has to counsel <laughs> people in her job and then everyone else in her from life from eight to five and then
0: also vicariously later. yes right. through everyone we, this, we didn't prompt you with this question but I do want to know so obviously you have a podcast we I want to do. make sure to mention yes. that with yeah. you in the weeds. And we'll talk more about that because there's tons of resources. And we hope that you guys take advantage of those conversations that they have on that podcast. But even on that, and I know you in personal life, but this thing like Fun Lynn comes out. Yeah. Where does this come from? Because yeah. obviously you're a counselor. So most of your life is like really serious, <laughs> thoughtful, and intentional. Who oh, is Fun Lynn tell, tell us about gosh. her. gosh.
2: I love it. Thank you for asking. Yeah. The people that knew me in college just can really attest to the fact that I just have this really silly, funny part. I love to dance. I love music. I love eighties music. For my fortieth birthday, Shay had an eighties dance party for That's me. <laughs> That's it cute. was the most fun I've ever had. People dressed up like eighties, neon, That's big so hair. Fine. And just That's you hilarious. know, dancing the night away. But I really think that when I became a therapist and began to enter the weeds of people's lives it's very heavy it is very burdensome and basically everyone that you're talking to is in some sort of pain or suffering and so i think my soul in some sense buried some of those parts of me because it felt like well i had to be someone that people could trust i had to be seen as professional because if i'm interacting with you you might be a future client and if I'm being really silly and goofy or unprofessional, then you may think, I'm not going to trust this person with the fine Confidential information of my yeah. heart. You know, right. she's going to not know what to do with that. And so I think for a long time, I felt like I just had to be very serious. But I'm coming to see now, and I'm just at a different phase too in my professional life that people want to see the real you and all parts of you. And it's fun to kind of be more vulnerable and let people into that. And like you said, I'm good friends with your mother-in-law, Gayla. And so she's seen this funny. I mean, we get each other laughing till we're crying and just crack each other up. And she's like, nobody knows this about you. You have such a good sense of humor. So thank you for noticing that. I hope it's not a turn off. I hope oh, it's so no. fun. You we love it. The dancing you love I think the first yeah. time
0: you were always like, oh, Lynn is a counselor at church. And then I become on staff. And I think one of the first times I spent time with you outside of like work was at a, I think it was a birthday party by a pool, and I literally oh, yeah. walked up, <sighs> and you're like dancing, and iron. you're like no, pool you so there. You're no, <laughs> no, like dancing no. in their pool sarong, okay. like next to the pool. And I was right.
2: like, <laughs> "You're like, oh, wow. I like I've heard of
0: Sunlin, but like, who is this? And then I loved it. And I was like, oh, this does make you seem oh, so much more shoot. personable. Not okay. that you weren't before. Yeah. But I, was I would like, rather
1: go tell oh, my deepest, darkest things to the girl that I know can be weird like I am. Okay, Yeah, good. so I well, like Well, it's that. almost good. like we get to then
0: see like a full spectrum of emotions. Yes. Because even if you see someone right. in a counseling session with dealing with really hard, broken things, you also know there is joy in their life, too. In other ways and sure. they're silly or whatever, and so I think it's inspiring to some people to be like, okay, Oh, she also yeah. experiences all spectrum of emotion. Well,
2: thanks you know? for being so affirming, you guys. That makes me guys feel good. We'll make sure Can to we get do some a dance content? reel before yes. I leave today? yes, yes, yes. if you guys kinda, go okay. follow
1: with you in the weeds, their Instagram for their podcast, it's about counseling, it's like heavier topics. And so I love because Lynn will post reels dancing and it just brings me a lot of joy. <laughs> so we'll for sure do one together.
2: Awesome, yes. so but good. Can't jumping wait. into
1: our topic today, we have wanted to chat with you for a while. All of our counselors at at Home Church, The Crossing. By the way, it's so amazing that we have like an actual counseling program. Sometimes I think I'll mention that to people, and they're like, "Well, my church has some people you can go talk to." And I'm like, "No, it's like they're professionals; they're licensed, and it's awesome that we have just the option to come talk to you guys." But you see, like you were just saying, a lot of really heavy things. We're goofing off about it and laughing. You're seeing people at the very end of their marriages, at the very end of their emotions. I mean, just horrible things that they're walking through. And I think when we thought about talking to you, it's like, well, there's so many things that we could talk about or roads we could go down. But one thing that we have been really thinking on, and it's played a role in our other episodes we've done recently, but just this idea of boundaries how they're so needed in so many areas of our life, how we get them so wrong sometimes, how we set boundaries out of, I think, sometimes selfish reasonings or scared parts of ourselves that we just want to then close off. Or then we're people who maybe don't know how to set boundaries and we are feeling completely run over or overworked or empty or all these things that that can lead to. So I felt like us talking about boundaries would be helpful because it really plays into so many different relationships in your lives. To start us off, do you hear clients, no matter what they're going through, talk about boundaries and have that as an issue or tell us about that? What do you hear?
2: Well, I'll speak to your first point. When I started doing counseling here at the church 15 years ago, I had grown up in a fairly sheltered environment i'm a pk christian i think you're a pk and if you don't know what that is that's pastor's kid (laughs) because some people would be like what's a pk i'm a pk so we have that in common and i had somewhat of a maybe naive or sheltered view of things and so when i started doing counseling what i encountered was and what i realized was that all of the problems that are outside of the church are inside of the church. We're the same. We bring the same problems to the table. The only difference is that we are in a community of people who are trusting Christ, obviously for their salvation, but coming at life from a biblical perspective. But the problems, the hurts, the wounds, the brokenness, it's all right in front of you. It was right in front of me. And the topic of boundaries was something that I quickly learned. If I didn't start to really practice and internalize and understand these principles for myself, I wouldn't really be able to help other people with these principles. And so I have done a lot of reading, but the things that I'll share today on this episode are certainly not original to me. Obviously, Henry Cloud, who's the author of the book Boundaries and Boundaries for Parenting and Marriage and many other layers of boundaries and how they work, We can point you guys to those resources maybe on the show notes. But I'll just simply start by saying that, yes, in fact, I think that most relational problems stem from a failure to understand the role of boundaries or a lack of clear boundaries or the inability to live within boundaries. Wait, can you say all that one yeah. more time? okay. I, I want to hear it one more and time. And we're going to like, make
1: a quote post of that because that oh, is cool. good. Yeah. Okay,
2: <laughs> well, we might have lots of quote posts. I've got all kinds of stuff to say, but most relational problems stem from a failure to understand the role of boundaries, a lack of clear boundaries, or the inability to live within boundaries. So boundaries are central to our existence. And I will say as much as I can say on this topic. Of course, we can't cover everything. But some people think that boundary is a negative word. They hear the word boundary and they cringe or they feel that that's not loving or that it's unkind. And I think that the reason why that is is that we don't like limits. And so you guys have young kids. My kids are about to leave the house. You're in the weeds of parenting right now. So what happens when you tell your toddler no? They say, no. <laughs> they, <laughs> they say still no do to it. No. Mine just do it. Do they say, mom, thank Why? you so much for caring for me enough to put this limit in place so that I don't hurt myself, <laughs> so that I don't eat something that's going to make me feel sick, so that I don't touch something that's going to hurt me, so that I don't run into the onflow of traffic. Do they have the ability to appreciate that the limits that you're putting in place for them- are for their good my guess is that no no right But that
1: would be amazing yeah, yeah, that, that would be amazing that yeah, would right. also be kind of robotic but <laughs> <Right>. you know <laughs>
2: right but that just goes to show that it's part of our human yeah. nature to resist boundaries and if you go back to just the garden of eden for a minute god told adam and eve that they could eat of any tree in the entire garden except for one. And what happened? (laughs) They were like, oh, we have to have that one. Right, right. That's the one that we now have to go to. So we were created for freedom, for flourishing, for thriving, for exploring, for wonder, for beauty, for all of these things. And yet, in our nature, we have a very difficult time with being told, okay, here's the one thing that you can't do. And that becomes sort of the pivot point of course, in human history from a biblical perspective. But even internally, now that sin has entered the world, we have this sin. And we talk about it as sort of like a virus that infects us and it mutates. Eventually it will erode or destroy us. But because God knows that, he put boundaries and limits in place because he knew that without them, we would literally self-destruct. We would either destroy ourselves or we would destroy other people. So here's a great example, the 10 commandments. Those are boundaries. Those are things that God says, here's what you should do, here's what you shouldn't do. If you do these things, you will be blessed, you will flourish, you will thrive, you will do well. If you do these other things, then they're going to be negative and painful consequences. So out of love, he puts these limits in place, and then he gives us the freedom to choose. He says, okay, choose this day who you will serve. Are you going to obey? Are you going to disobey? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to not follow me? But ultimately, what ends up happening is that we have to decide, are we going to Live within these prescribed boundaries that he set, or are we going to essentially go off the reservation and create our own reality in our own universe? So, fundamentally, we all live in a world that has boundaries and limits, and we didn't come up with those. Those are from God's design that he's given to us, but they transverse in every layer of our lives. And I would say the three big ones that I think we can talk about today are physical boundaries, relational boundaries, and personal boundaries. Physical boundaries are obvious. A wall, a fence, a door, a lane if you're driving in a car, those dotted lines, that's a boundary. Those are visible boundaries that you can see and they're put in place to create order out of chaos. Like what if we didn't have Lane lines yeah. as we were driving here.
1: Some countries don't. I was just uh-huh. in yeah. Jamaica and it's very scary to drive there. Exactly. Cars are just like stopping instead of pulling over to the yeah. side of the road, like stopping in the middle of the road, and other cars are just like going around it. Crazy. So it's
2: chaos. So boundaries take chaos and bring order to those things. But here's where it gets tough in relationships because personal boundaries or relational boundaries are not visible with the human eye. So now we're talking about invisible boundaries, but they're still just as real as physical boundaries. We just can't see them. This is where confusion enters the picture because we think, oh, well, physical boundary makes sense, but relational boundary that feels mean or unkind or wrong. And so I'm just going to start by saying a clear definition of boundaries in what we're talking about with relationships is that these boundaries are the invisible property lines of your life that define three main things, who you are, so that's your identity, what belongs to you, so that's ownership, and then what you are responsible for, and that's authority. So I'll say that again, who you are, what belongs to you, and what you are responsible for. In each of these categories, and these are like basic foundational building blocks of our self and our understanding of ourselves in the world, if we don't know where those boundaries are, we are going to have chaos, confusion, misunderstanding, hurt feelings, role reversals, nobody being able to trust anyone. These are the consequences when we don't know or have a clear definition of where those boundary lines fall and that's where when people come into my office and now we start talking about marriage and parenting and in-laws and friendships and all the things you can see that we really kind of have to investigate and get deep in the weeds to figure out okay we're looking for these invisible lines where was it modeled to you that these lines were because that's kind of what you grew up believing and now are they in the right place? And a lot of times we see the symptoms of that conflict, divorce and brokenness in relationships, but people may have no clue as to how they got there or where this came from. And that's where the conversation often starts with the clients that come to me about these issues. So
0: good. (laughs) I just just look at each each other other and we're like, oh. We're so like this good. I feel
1: like I'm in counseling which is amazing. I'm glad yes. we're getting to like give our listeners good. this gift from you Lynn because I'll let you speak to I'm sure you have thoughts. The one thing that just stuck out to me when you were saying all that is like it's so true that we're just not people that have been taught and this is something I'm thinking through like now as a parent. We were never trained or taught how to be introspective enough yeah. to think through what are our boundaries. So sometimes I can have that okay, I know this is bothering me, but then it's like I go for weeks or months or years sometimes sure. without being like, but why is this bothering me? Let me look back. It's always something deeper. And so I love that you put that emphasis. That's where it has to start is internally us looking at where do we need our boundaries to be? Because people then can't communicate those. And then we for sure can't expect other people to just wake up and know those boundaries. But that's kind of how we're living yes. when we're getting hurt. And it's really more about, us in a way of not doing that work ourselves. Right. Well, the
2: the visual of, you mentioned you were in a country where there weren't lane lines. Think about that in a relational way where there's just, everybody's all over the map. Mm -hmm. It's chaos. Nobody knows who's starting, who's stopping, whose lane they should be in. People are crashing into each other. That's what's happening Mm -hmm. in our relationships because we do not have these clear boundaries in place. And Here's more. I'm just going to yeah, keep, keep throwing no, stuff back. Do no, no. you have to, thoughts, Christian? Okay. Well, I, mean, I, I have so doing. many thoughts. Yeah.
0: It's so good. But I sit here and I'm just, I mean, my husband and I have been to counseling for many different things and we love it. We love just to talk through it. I just love to have this conversation. I think it's good for all of us as we're listening to it because I think... It's a hard thing to wrap your head around. But then as you learn more about yourself and as we can be humble people who want to love others well, as God calls us to, I think what's hard about boundaries is that just like what we're saying here, some of those are going to be expected things that you're like, I know that I don't like that thing. I know that that is a boundary for me, like that I don't like that. But then a lot of these things, Samantha, like you're saying, are things that we learn over time. And then we have to dig into it. We have to have humility about ourselves to say something about this is feeling uncomfortable to me. I need to have the humility to recognize, I need to like dig into that. I need to learn about that. And then it's my job to also communicate it. And then how do we move into that though? I'm like, yeah. I'm dying for yeah. yeah. more okay. from you. So okay.
2: Well, I just want to say a couple more things, just setting the stage for boundaries. Boundaries are designed to keep good things in and bad things out. So back to this notion of boundaries are bad. That feels mean. No, They're designed to keep good things in and bad things out. On a relational level, boundaries are designed to keep safe people in and unsafe people out. Now, when I say in, inside of you, you have a soul. And I believe, and I believe what scripture teaches is that your soul is your most valuable possession so why would we not want to and the bible says guard your heart above all else for from it flow the well springs of life because your soul is the connecting point between you and god and between you and other people so if we're letting bad things in or unsafe people in that is going to damage my soul and that is going to have really horrendous consequences down the road and so again boundaries are beautiful things. They're good things when they are rightly placed in a wise way, the right time, the right place, the right relationships. When we get boundaries figured out, now we can define roles and responsibilities. We can establish priorities and expectations. We can create safety and connection in relationships. These are all the good things that can now come when the boundaries have been properly placed and evaluated.
0: And once again, insert the Ten Commandments, God gives us these as our way of saying, this is how you are going to flourish as human beings. Sin has entered the world, but you guys need guidelines and you need restrictions because this is broken and this is not as it should be. And so these are guidelines because I want you to flourish. And so in that way, you're saying boundaries are meant to keep safe things in. I could go to a billion personal conversations i've had but again even when i have set boundaries like i am doing this for the health or the wealth of this relationship that i'm saying i need this because i want our relationship to have harmony and i want us to be flourishing in this relationship and so therefore i need this from you
2: one question that always makes me smile is when people say well i don't see boundaries anywhere in the bible (laughs) i just sort of laughed myself if you just start in the book of genesis well first of all this is getting maybe a little off topic but even the very first verse genesis 1 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth he created a boundary he separated matter and he said this is heaven and this is earth and there's a line between the two so Let's just open up yeah, the beginning of there. the world. It's there <laughs> with a boundary. And from there more delineation, more boundaries, more separating of things and defining them and clarifying them and putting names and roles and expectations to them. So by the time we get to Genesis 2, when God's created man and woman, here's the first human relational boundary that we see in scripture when he says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. That's talking about the covenant of marriage and marriage is a boundary because what you're saying is I'm leaving my family of origin and I'm committing my heart, body, mind, soul to this other person. And I'm promising to live within this covenant, which means I'm not going to share myself with anyone else at this same level. But back to our earlier conversation, the boundary of marriage isn't something that you can see with human eyes. So it's not like there's a rubber band around Shay and I. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. If you're like attached you have to at go hip. everywhere with that. Yeah. You know, like, do you remember like the game in school where you do like the three legged race? Yes. And you yeah. like yeah. tie your legs together. That's so fun. It's not like marriage is like our legs are tied together. So, you know, that Shay and I are married. But yet there is an invisible line around the two of us. I mean, he could be in another country of the world, and yet we are bonded together. We are bound together by this covenant of marriage, and there's an invisible line around our relationship. And that is a good thing. And we are working to protect that boundary around our relationship so that good things can happen within the relationship. Trust, communication, you said thriving, building a family that feel safe where people can be human and get love and get their needs met that's an example right from scripture where it's like leaving and cleaving is a boundary marriage is a boundary and that's where once those boundaries are clearly defined now there's a lot of like fun and good things that can happen within that but you are by saying yes to that you are saying no to other things. I'm saying no to other relationships. I'm saying no to other activities or things that are going to take my time or attention or energy away from this good thing, this good relationship that I have. And so by definition, as a boundary is keeping something good, at the same time, it's saying no to something else that may not be a bad thing, but it's just not serving the good of the relationship that you're trying to protect.
1: When we look at culture right now, it's so just evident when you put it that way. We have taken every boundary that has been around, not just even in the Christian sphere in regards of biblical history, but also just culturally, like what has been considered normal and right and good. And we have blurred every line and made every line feel very, just like no solid line of like here is where the boundary is. It's boundary
2: less culture exactly yeah we're living in
1: and so it makes sense that then that's trickling into our own lives even if we're not wanting to live that way like that's all we're being shown is that you're actually going back to these connotations about boundaries that you would be in the wrong for having boundaries or wanting to have like a strict line on something and so it's interesting when we think about getting older. And I think we're in this phase where we're, okay, we're figuring this out. We're making boundaries. We're realizing like, this is what's right. But what I think I'm seeing in certain relationships is like, if your boundaries don't match my boundaries for the way I think relationships, friendships, my day-to-day should work, then yours are wrong. Does that make sense? It's almost yeah. like we can't apply what works For ourselves and our own marriages and our own kids and our own-in-law relationships to everyone else. And then that sometimes I think causes the friction to, well, I don't understand why that would be a boundary for you. You only have time to invest in a friendship with me once a month. Well, I want to see you every day. And it hurts my feelings that you can or you don't. That's kind of stuff that we hear from our listeners of this person can't understand why that's the case for me. And then we take things so personally.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's just like a wealth of things that I could dig into with that example. But what you're dealing with then is someone who has a deep need to connect and they're projecting that need onto you. And you're trying to have a firm emotional boundary that says, I can only get together once a month versus every day. And to that person, that feels like rejection, even though that's not your intention, but those feelings belong to that person back to the three things, who you are, what belongs to you, and what are you responsible for, their thoughts and feelings do not belong to you. You don't have ownership of them, nor do you have responsibility over them. You have no authority over what they're feeling or thinking. That being said, I do think along these lines, we can put boundaries down in a loving way. And I think maybe that's where there's the confusion because some people, it's like, talk to the hand. I'm cutting you out. It's very petty. It's very selfish. It is immaturely done. Maybe it's even done meanly. And I think we need to learn how to have a loving approach to saying, thank you for telling me about your feelings or about your concerns. I am so sorry that you feel that way or that this is happening in your life. Here's what I can do here's what I can't do. I hope that you understand. And for some people, they've never had loving, empathetic boundaries modeled to them before. So to them, it feels like, oh my gosh, you're being so mean. But that can actually be instructive for them when they see you living your life, not like the traffic in Jamaica, that might be what's their norm. But when they see you living your life of, nope, there are lanes and we generally stay in those lanes and here's how our life flows and functions, a safe person will look at that and go, okay, maybe I don't get it and maybe that's not how I'm going to live my life, but I can respect that that is your choice to do that. And that's where I think we're just not mature in many ways we're demanding, we want people to meet our needs right now, and we don't get why they can't. And so there's just a lot of little emotional toddlers running around that don't like to hear the word no. Yeah. And maybe they're that just in an adult body. Right. No. Yeah. No, <laughs> that that are, you adult bodies. know,
1: it could exactly. be in their 50s, they could be in their 70s, like a lot of us. So
0: walk us through some of that, because I love just like where I feel like we're on the cusp of like what everyone wants to hear from you. Because even as you share that example, I think all of us can think of Times that maybe I've not shared that boundary well with someone and not shared that in a loving way, or maybe I've been on the receiving side of someone sharing a boundary with me and instead of being mature and instead of having humility and perspective of maybe where they were coming from, I did take offense to that. So walk us through some of those examples. What do you commonly see from your clients and how do we recognize a boundary that we need, yeah. share that boundary with someone, and then also like live that out in community with people? Yeah what, are the top, what are the, like, yeah. what are the
2: other two hours? Yeah, I
1: know. Do you hear a lot of the same probably things repeated over and yeah, over? Yeah. I
0: think if I was a counselor, all these people oh would be coming my into gosh. my office. This is why I'm not a counselor.
1: Yeah, and I would probably yeah. be like,
0: "Yep, I just told someone the last <laughs> hour that you need to set a boundary with this, this, and this. You're and not you that go. special. Okay, on to next."
2: <laughs> That's why we created the "With You in the Weeds" podcast yes. Yes. because we end up having the same conversation right. with people over and over and over again. Oh, And so the podcast is to basically, we're taking what we do with people one-on-one and we're just broadcasting it to the world. And so that's why we started with managing your emotions, huge topic that everybody needs help with, managing your relationships and then managing difficult people. And in our managing difficult people series, we get in the weeds with dealing with an unrepentant person, dealing with a hard hearted person, Narcissism, we tackle some really sticky, difficult topics when it comes to setting boundaries in relationships and what to look for with controlling people and manipulative people. I'm liking this traffic analogy, so I want to kind of continue to use this visual because it's so clear in my head. If you think about communication and trust in a relationship like a green light where there's traffic flowing back and forth, communication is energy. Our emotions, e-motion, emotions are energy that move through the body. And we bring that into our relationships. And when there's trust, when there's safety, when there are clear boundaries, that flow of traffic is just going to kind of be moving back and forth. Think of with your spouse. You're having a good day. You're tracking on the same level. You know what your role is. You've dropped the kids off and I'm picking up dinner and we're getting to grandma's house at this time. That is where that flow of communication is really working for you. When there's a breach of trust, so, hey, well, you said you were going to pick up dinner, but then you totally flaked out and stayed late at work and didn't come home. When you said you were going to come home, that's when traffic starts to slow down a little bit. And that's like a minor offense, right, in the grand scheme of life. But think about if there's a bigger breach of trust where emotional boundaries or physical boundaries are broken or there's financial infidelity. I mean, there's many types. There's not just sexual infidelity. I mean, financial infidelity. What is
1: financial infidelity? Like spending money that the other person doesn't know about? Yeah, like I've
2: opened up a credit card that my spouse doesn't know about and I'm sneaking around and spending money or things get messy. But anyway, if there's like a big breach of trust, the yellow light is like the warning and your body will tell you when whoo, like something's not right. Like, I don't know if I can trust what this person is saying. They're not really being forthcoming with me. I don't know if they're really taking ownership or being responsible. That yellow light is something we should pay attention to. Now, I feel like what happens usually is people just blow right past that. Oh, well,
0: they didn't mean that. If you're like me, you push the accelerator a little more and you're like, (laughs) oh, we get through it quick. It's fine.
2: Pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, we minimize it. We ignore it. We hope it'll get better. A lot of it goes back to how we were raised. But to our own detriment, we may just kind of go, well, we're just going to keep plowing ahead. But if those things build up over time, and then, wow, suddenly I'm looking at a situation where I'm like, how did we get in this situation? That's when it's like a red light. And it's like, whoa, okay, we've got to step back from the situation and figure out what is going on. And that's where, again, I think people think, well, I don't want to be mean and I want to believe the best and all that. But we have to be honest with what it is we're dealing with. So if we are dealing with someone who can't be trusted, they're not safe, they're not listening, they're not respecting our boundaries, they're bringing harm into our lives, then that red light is something that you want to pay attention to. You don't want to go into an intersection when the light is red because you're going to get hurt. I mean, you're going to get slammed. You're going to get T-boned. And so in a similar way, if you're in a friendship or relationship or a marriage and you've got these signals of, "I, I don't know if I can really trust them or I feel like I've said no, but they keep pushing. They can't hear my no. They're not being respectful. These are clues that you should pay attention to and go back to those main categories. Who am I? What am I responsible for? What do I have authority over and where have I maybe allowed that person into a space that they didn't belong in the first place? It's easier to keep the door closed on the front end than if the door swings wide open and this person has sort of had access to things and now you have to shut the door again. That's messy. That's where it feels sticky. That's where it feels sticky, which is why it's always better to start with the healthy boundaries at the outset because then it's easier to hold to those boundaries than to have to kind of retrofit and go, ooh, okay, we were allowing this behavior to happen because we thought it wasn't a big deal or whatever. And now we're really having to batten down the hatches and really tighten things up. And there may be a period of time where that pendulum does need to swing pretty far to the other side. Maybe that door really does need to like get sealed shut for a while before you can crack it open and go, okay, can we test the waters here? Can we re-engage in the relationship?
1: That makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, and that's why I think that analogy is really good because you need to pay attention to your body's signals because it's going to tell you when you're not safe and you need to adjust accordingly and create the best Possibility for that relationship to resume. And here's, because I know we're probably short on time, the big question upon which trust is built in a relationship is what we call the impact question. And basically what that is is just simply, does this person understand or get the impact that they have on me? And trust can only be there to the degree that that person gets the impact that they have on me. So if somebody runs over your foot and, you know, breaks your foot, but like they don't get it and they don't see that that's a problem, (laughs) they're going to keep running over your foot. And you're going to have to keep getting surgery and going to PT and being on pain meds the rest of your life. At some point, if this person doesn't get it, then we got to go, you know what, I can't let them drive their car near me anymore because I keep getting run over.
0: But you're saying if that person ran over your foot and immediately stopped, ran over to you and said, "Oh my goodness, I am so sorry. What can I do to help you? Can I drive you to hospital? Like I'm what do pay you for need for your All surgery?" These that person is a safe, trusted individual that you're like. You don't need to move forward into creating a boundary with that because obviously, yes, they hurt you. But they understood the impact of well, it. Well,
2: that does get into forgiveness. And on With You in the Weeds, we did a couple I'm of episodes. All the of, I just want to know. No, I know. We talked about forgiveness very in depth, but I will just simply say that you still have to live with the hurt. Even if immediately they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I did that to you. There is a pain that has been caused that you now have to absorb, there's a cost to what they did. And you now have to decide, am I going to release them from them paying that cost back to me and forgive? Or even if I do forgive, I may walk with a limb for the rest of my life. It doesn't mean that that's not going to have its consequences. But yes, the fact that they get it, what they're saying to you is, I am so sorry. I never want that to happen again. What do I need to do to earn your trust? And I'm not going to demand that of you because I get it. Like I caused such pain in your life. That is someone that you could consider. Okay, we can work on repairing that. I don't know that it could happen instantaneously. I mean, obviously it was like a genuine accident just to kind of go with this analogy. If they get it, then there's a good chance that you could get back to that flow of traffic being what it once was. But if they don't get it, you're not going to have that flow of trust anymore. It would take quite a bit to get that person to see that. And you may want them to see that. And here's the other thing that I'll say, because I know you guys talk a lot about friendships and relationships, is that you may just need to grieve the loss of, gee, I wanted a friendship with this person. I wish I could have had a friendship with this person, but they're not demonstrating to me that they are someone that is safe and that I can do that with. And it's better to grieve that loss and move forward with those healthy boundaries in place than to try and control or manipulate or change or get this person to see this or do that. Because again, that's a boundary thing. You can't fix, change, or control anyone else you only have ownership of yourself. You're only responsible for yourself. So there's a limit to what you can do. You can present to them, would you be willing to do this? And we get into this in the episodes that we did on manipulative people, but it's not that you don't make an effort. But if the effort has been made and you're just not seeing the signs of things being repaired, it may just be that, gosh, this is really sad, that I can't have the closeness with this person that either we once did or that we wanted to, but it's not your job to try and control or manipulate that person to get them to change or see things differently. So there are friendships, sadly, that dissolve or that they end, or you used to be like BFFs and talked every day, and now maybe it's someone that you're just going to wave to across a room. And that hurts because we weren't meant for disconnection. We were always meant for connection. But again, back to the healthy boundaries, your job is to guard your heart, your soul, your mind, and to put your trust and your energy in relationships with people who are safe and that have your best interest at heart.
0: That was so good. I'm sure so many of you all have pending questions that I even want to ask you. So many things. I'm like, maybe part two. Yeah, part two, or go listen to With You in the Week. Yes, seriously. We'll do that for sure. So many good things. Because I do think, I'm sure some of you all like, no, keep talking, keep talking. I want Lynn to answer this one or this one. I think, even as I think about questions I want to ask you, I'm like, those are so circumstantial. You have to know a lot of things. I love that you've come back to those three questions, which we'll make sure to talk about dealing with my identity, the ownership I have and the authority I have. Yes, I think those are really key points and you drilling back to those and coming back to those, even in hardship and even in times that you're like, my feelings are hurt. Okay, what can I own? Who am I?
2: What do I have responsibility? what do I have responsibility
0: of? If those aren't in my domain, then I can't do much with that. But what I can do is set myself up for success in those areas to move forward in this relationship or build boundaries to hopefully flourish in the ways that we can. Absolutely.
1: Like Christian said, there's so many more things we could dig into, but I want everyone to make sure to go listen to With You in the Weeds. You can find it on any of your podcast players, just like you can find our podcast. And then one little thing I wanted to say at the end, we've mentioned it a lot over the course of going there. But if you feel a little bit of like weight lifted off you from this conversation or just feel like something's clicking that you've never felt before, like that is how I always felt walking out of counseling. And my husband and I have seen a different counselor, John. He's also amazing. We got to have him on the podcast. That's who you work alongside. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be a riot. We always tell people we went to marriage counseling when there weren't really any big problems. And I think people, young girls like I've talked to, it's like marriage counseling, individual counseling, counseling if you have hard family dynamics. It doesn't have to be like you're at this breaking point. It's actually so beneficial, like you talked about in the beginning, to set your brain up to work in a way that you're closing that door before you even get down that path instead of swinging it closed. And it has taught Justin and I so much. And I would walk out every single time and just feel like, this weight lifted off of me. So if you have hesitated on going to counseling or if you're feeling like there's just all these sticky spots in my marriage that we cannot get past or in my whatever relationship, please go to counseling and reach out to us if you need help connecting you with resources wherever you live for counseling, because I know that it's not always easy just to like find the right counselor. And I
2: will say about boundaries, too, that These are things you have to rehearse over and over and over and over again. It's not like, oh, I read a book on boundaries 20 years ago. I've got it. Even me, myself, on a daily basis, I have to come back through these principles and filter them back through my mind, my heart, and my prayer life because we can constantly get off track. And that's where maybe an outside source like a counselor or a friend or someone that really cares for us can help us see what we can't.
0: And we hope this conversation has given you guys words and just ways to define things that you may be walking through. I love what Samantha said about counseling because that's what it's done for my husband and I as well, that we're able to have better and more productive conversations because we're both going down the same sidewalk of like having the same words to put towards things that we're feeling. And so we're able to have more productive conversations. And so maybe that's what this conversation has given you too. But yeah, we'll make sure to link with you in the weeds yes, and all of the, I, love I know it. you mentioned a few books and a few different resources yeah. that we want to make sure to put in our we show notes that. and we'll make sure to put Lynn's contact too, just so you Whoa. can chat with her and connect <laughs> with her too. Thanks guys. Thank you so much, Lynn, for your yeah. time today. We
2: really appreciate it. Yeah, yes, I loved being here. here. I loved going there. Oh,
0: thank yes. you, Lynn. Hey,
1: thanks for going there with us.
0: If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at going there, the podcast.
1: And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon.